This is an Emmaus Church podcast. For more information about Emmaus Church, please visit EmmausDenver.com. It's always fun when you get to read the passage with all the names that are not in our language. <laughs> yeah, right. Or Charlotte's second language. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be with all you guys uh, today. I want to start, before we jump into the passage, if you want to turn with me, we're going to be in the very last section of Colossians. So Colossians chapter 4, verse 7 through 18. And before we get started, uh, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Um, You've given us a new day, and you've given us a day to be together as your church, as your body. Jesus, we are thankful for the truth in the beginning of this letter that it is you that holds all things together. So Jesus, I pray that you would hold us together as a community as we worship you this morning for what you deserve, your glory and honor. And I pray that you would reach into our hearts, that you would allow your, your word to dwell richly in us as we come to it. So Jesus, we thank you for the truth and the grace you've given us. And to your name we pray. Amen. So this morning, I want to share... Um, it's kind of the, the theme of where we're, we're going in this passage today. And if you would take anything away from the sermon today, it's this. That you are needed. You are needed. That's kind of the big idea this morning. I'm going to start with this. Can you think of a time in your life where the struggle has been real? Where you needed, you know, a booster, a booster shot, no pun intended, of encouragement. To get through what you're facing. Maybe that's a season that you're coming out of. You've been through that season. And you're coming out on the other side. Maybe you're in that season right now. A season of needing encouragement. I imagine that's what Paul picked up on. When, from those who were visiting him in prison. Those who came to him from Colossae. And I think what he discovered is that the Colossians needed as we see in this letter, some pretty big reminders of the gospel and their role in living that out and who Jesus is and what he's done. And I imagine that, that Paul wanted to remind them of those things and to, as he says at the end of this letter, to encourage their hearts, to encourage those hearts in those things. I think Paul's posture from what we've seen in Colossians is that he cares deeply for this church, this church that he was with and he was among the teaching in. And so as we end, as we close our series in being heavenly minded for earthly good, Paul is giving us one last nugget of that reminder. And so I think what we, we need to recognize, I think we come to a passage like this, I mean I did, when I was assigned to it, I was like, oh, I'm preaching through a list of names. <laughs> it's like Aaron got to preach about like the preeminence of Christ and, and like all these things that are awesome, and I was like, oh, I get the, like, list of names. <laughs> it's like, I didn't even know, like, people preach this part of the, part of the letter. It's like, it's not the part you skip. <laughs> but, it's, we shouldn't skip it, because there's some really great things in here, and I think the biggest is this, this reminder that, that you are needed, that we are needed, that Paul has been writing this letter and reminding the church in Colossae of all these truths about Christ, and, and how they should conduct their lives because they're needed. Each and every person in the church 
is needed for the glory of God to be reached to the first Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. All of us are called to participate in the church on our own faith. And I think that's kind of Paul's last reminder to us and what it looks like to be heavenly minded for earthly good. So, kind of two things that I want to, to do to unpack this passage, since that has kind of been the overall theme of our series, is that we want to be heavenly minded, which we've been kind of talking about, is that we want to be focused on Christ, that if our, our focus isn't first on Him, isn't on things of above, in our relationship with God and His presence, then we can't be a earthly good. We can't do the, do the work of the kingdom without first focusing on Christ. And so I, I think, and what I want to do is kind of break down the passage in that way. Where is Paul giving us a reminder to be heavenly minded? And then where is he giving us a reminder to be earthly good? And so I want to jump in uh, to that first, that first point, to be heavenly minded. And uh, we're going to start in verse 7 for that. I think here we've been given a picture of how being heavenly minded looks like in community through Paul and the others as we see their concern and their care for the church in Colossae and even Laodicea. So he says this in verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I sent him to you for this very purpose. You may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that's taken place here. So it seems to me like this letter is meant to be a relief to a church worried about Paul. They sent the, they heard of Paul being in prison. They sent people to him to find out what was going on. And I think that's, that's something to note here. And that Paul has, Paul has spent a lot of time, and we've seen a lot of, of Paul's concern for the church. But I think it's helpful to remember that this letter came about and his concern for them was because they showed concern for him as well. It's not just a one-way street. And there's a lot of there's a lot of nuggets I could pull out of even that little passage, but um, for our context here, I want to give a note of encouragement, um, especially to folks who are moving this summer. Because <laughs> some of us are. And I want to remind you guys of this, um, that just because you are in a com- community for a time and you leave that community to go somewhere else, it doesn't mean that you aren't taking with you our concern and our affection for you. Just because you move into a new season doesn't mean you don't matter to us anymore. And I think that's reflected in both Paul's concern for his church and their concern for Paul, who is with them and is now not with them, is doing other work. But they still care about him enough to send people to him. So, definitely a side note, but I just want to share that. Because today, the this sermon is about us remembering that you matter. Whether you are sitting in the chairs every week here, or you're in Oklahoma, or you're in Chicago. <laughs> and so, uh, let's move on. Um, so, in the next verses, in verse 10, 10 through 14, we've been given this another reminder of being heavily minded. And I think one of the things to note here is that our concern for the gospel 
concern for the gospel breaking through to the hearts of the lost is not just bound to our corner here in Denver, a maze corner. And Paul kind of makes this point in this list of names that are hard to say. So in verse 10 he says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, who comes to you, welcome him, and Jesus, who is called Justice. These are only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. They have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, the servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. You may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God, for I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. So I think there's a couple of things to take away from that section. And I would say the first is this. That if you pay close attention, this list is split by names, and it's split intentionally. See, first, Paul names three Jewish workers, three men of circumcision. And then he has three Gentile names. So what should we take away from that? I think it's this, and it's something that Aaron talked about back in chapter 3, that there is no partiality in the kingdom of God. There's no partiality for who is valuable or who can serve in the gospel. It's not your ethnicity or your education or your bank account or your gender or your social status. God deals with our hearts. Amen. Amen. We talked about that in chapter 3. There's no Gentile, or Jew or Gentile. For your slave. The gospel is for everyone. The church is for everyone. Therefore, the work of the church is for everyone. And everyone is cared for equally. I think that's why Epaphras, who's mentioned here, he prays for his church back home. I'll say that their hearts would continue in maturity and full assurance, understanding of who God is, what he's done, the will of God. So maybe one question to, to think through that, if God is concerned about our hearts, if Paul and the others who he's, um, that are writing to them, that he's mentioning, they're concerned about their hearts, keeping their hearts and remembering other things he's written to them so far, I think we should ask, how do you become assured by the will of God? How do we do that? If that's, if that's something that the leaders of the church are concerned for, how are we considering that? <laughs> and I think it starts by being heavenly minded. It starts by fixing our minds and our hearts on him, towards him. And I think it's interesting, there's also kind of a a reminder of the danger of falling into that. And if there's a name at the very end of that list, Demas. It's interesting, uh, in, my, in my study, in my going through this passage, I noticed that Demas is also mentioned in 2 Timothy. Uh, but there, he's mentioned as one who deserted Paul because in he was in love with the present things of this world. Where does our gaze go? Where do our hearts go if not to the Father? Where, do our minds, where are our minds fixed if they're not on the things of heaven? 
that go towards the fading things of this world. Demas is a warning <laughs> of that. I think the other thing you should take away from this section is this, that Paul's making a list of people who care about what happens in Colossae. It's a list of people who are sharing his ministry and proclaiming the gospel. And it includes one of their own, Epaphras, who is among you. Who was probably sent to check in on Paul. And, and even in chapter 1, if you remember back, all the way back, <laughs> chapter 1, Epaphras is mentioned as someone who was teaching, doing teaching in the church, teaching them of the gospel. So in other words, there are a lot of people who themselves are heavenly minded, who are committed to the church that they love, also being heavenly minded. So to bring it back to, to the point today, that you are needed. I think it's clear that, that Paul is trying to send this encouraging wave of names, both Jew and Gentile, to remind the church that growing to better know who God is, standing in maturity and assurance of his will, is not something we're meant to do on our own. I think there's truth in saying that growing in faith and in relationship with God is meant to be shared. It's a shared experience amongst his people. That God has drawn out, yes, he's drawn out individuals. He's called, he knows our name. He's a good shepherd who calls on our name. But what he's building is a community, a community of people that he's calling. And so I think it matters of when we are considering what it means to be heavenly minded or considering the things of Christ and who he is, and what he's done, and putting our focus on them as individuals, as we consider that for our own hearts. Let's remember that it doesn't stop with us. <laughs> that to be heavenly minded and to consider Christ is to consider the community that he's building. And that you are needed for that, just as much as I'm needed, or the person next to you. And so here's some reminders. Um, I made a list that you can write down if you're fast enough. <laughs> And I'm not going to read them all because that would make the sermon really longer. But I think there's some things to consider. If we are people who are each needed and we are a part of the community, how are some ways that we can be heavenly minded together? And so some things I think are prayer. And Paul talks about prayer. It's considering the community. Are we praying for each other in the community? Are you praying together? Exhortation. Are we challenging each other? Are we reminding each other of the gospel? Where we fall short? Where we need to refocus, realign our hearts with the gospel and with Christ? Are we encouraging each other? Are we helping each other see each other's value in the community? and encouraging each other in the truth of the gospel? Are we repenting of our sin with each other? Are we confessing? It's hard to conf confess to, well, you should probably start with confession to yourself, <laughs> admitting on your own, but it shouldn't stay there. There's a practice of confession and speaking to each other about where our hearts are failing, where we need the gospel for a reason. 
So I want to just take a moment to maybe help this sink in a little bit in practicality to say, how has God used people that I have needed at once? So this is the point in the sermon where I take the spotlight and start shining it on you guys. So if I call your name, please stand. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a small enough room. You can scan the room look for the person's face. It's turning red. No, but I want to, I want to, before I share some of these things, I want to remind us that the things that I'm talking about, we're talking about, that Paul's been talking about, these aren't things that we leave to the leaders, to the professionals in the church. Our call to be heavenly minded and a perfectly good, Isaac community is just a call to the masses, it's a call for all of us. Paul reminds us in another place that we're all ministers of reconciliation. I need you to be that for me as much as you need that. So, spotlight time. I think one of the things that has been immensely encouraging to me uh, where I've, I've needed people to help me to be heavenly minded is in DNA. If you don't know what a DNA is, it's kind of something that, that we use to, to make. So we have gospel communities, right? Those are communities that are kind of geographical and we meet together to, to share meals and to pray and to consider the word and serve our neighborhoods. Then we have DNAs, and those are smaller, even smaller groups, um, usually two or three people who are digging even deeper into each other's hearts and to the word and, um, yeah, and just in discipleship. And so I've had a DNA with Levi and Eric for a while now. Um, and that's been immensely encouraging and also very needed in my life and from those guys. Um, the times when they are asking me hard level questions, um, and I don't really want to answer them, but I know that I need to. <laughs> um, they're really good at that, of pulling things out of me, um, which I definitely need. Um, yeah, encouraging me when I lose sight of my identity in Christ praying together, being concerned for each other, um, just in, even just the everyday things in life. Um, yeah, I just, when I think about them, when I was thinking about this, <laughs> how do I answer this question for myself? Um, just thinking about those guys and the way they've impacted my life, um, yeah, I just thought, man, if my son is going to be born soon, if he turns out like either one of these guys, <laughs> I'll be very happy. Um, so yeah. Another one, um, I'm turn the spotlight on Tim. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think just, um, it's so funny, I feel like I get a text from him at least once a week, like, hey man, how you doing? And I always think, ah, like next time, I'm gonna text him first. <laughs> like, I'm gonna get to him first, and I never do. <laughs> like, if only I was as thoughtful as Tim. Oh well. Um, but no, seriously, um, yeah, I, I think just even, Little things like that, where you know we're not always getting down to the nitty gritty, um, but just his concern for me, just knowing. I think too, just even since we we serve in a lot of the same realms in the church, just um, him having an extra concern for my heart and some of those things, whether it's leading worship or preaching. Um, yeah, just immensely thankful for that. Um, just the encouragement that I've received and uh, staying heavenly minded when things in life are, are difficult as a pastor or a father or a husband.
So those are some examples for me. I'm sure you guys could think of multiple examples too of ways that people in our community are pouring into you to help you remain heavenly minded. And I hope that you know that, that you are needed in those people's lives as well in those scenes. So let's move on. Let's talk about earthly good, that you are needed for the earthly good of the community. So Paul, he mentions by name kind of this next section, people who are involved in that, who are involved in earthly good. And so he says this in verse 15. He says, Give my greetings to the brothers of Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And this letter has been read among you. Have it also read in the church of Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you've received in the Lord. So here are a couple of things that I want to know about this section. One, he moves from people outside of their community, who are greeting them, who are concerned for them, to inside the community. People, as you can say, with boots on the ground, doing the work of ministry in their context. And specifically, one of those people to know is Nympha. He thinks Nympha, who is a woman, most likely a wealthy widow, who has opened her home as a place for Christians to gather and worship in Laodicea. He wants his letter, another thing is that he wants his letter that he just wrote to the Colossians that we're reading to be taken to Laodicea, which is a town, I think, I don't know, uh, probably eight miles or so from Colossae. So think of it like Denver and Arvada, which I don't think Arvada is that far, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> It's a suburb. Um, yeah, there's, a, there's multiple communities that know of each other and are working together in the gospel. And he's saying, hey, take this letter and read it to them so they would be encouraged in the same way. And the letter to Laodicea, which either we, uh, Aaron probably answered this, we either have it and it's not canon or we don't have it, <laughs> but we know it was written. Um, either way, he's saying, take, you know, I wrote a letter to them. You guys should receive that as well and be encouraged in things that I'm trying to encourage the church there. And so what we're seeing there is that Paul seems to understand that these churches need each other. They need each other for mutual encouragement and instruction in the gospel. Hmm. So the, the last name kind of that he mentions is... Archippus, and he calls him out specifically to fulfill the ministry that he received in the Lord. And just like Epaphras from earlier, commentator, um, one of the commentaries I'm reading from Beale, he suggests that both of these men were sharing in Paul's ministry and stewarding and spreading the gospel through teaching and authority. So in other words, these are guys who were probably pastors in the church, who were elders most likely. And pretty much every one of Paul's letters <laughs> But one of his chief concerns is that the gospel is being taught the way he had taught it to them, and that false teaching is being refuted. So I think it makes sense that after spending the time early in the letter talking about taking care not to be given over to philosophy and empty deceit, that he would call out one of the pastors to pay extra special attention. He's like, hey, in case you weren't paying attention, like I mentioned you by name <laughs> to remember to fulfill your ministry. And maybe all those notes seem random, but they're all connected by a common thread. Earthly good. 
Folks, th these are folks and actions that are results of being heavenly minded. When we're focused on Christ, we can't help but share his news <laughs> to teach. Um, when we're focused on Christ, we want to serve the community around us, even if that is opening up your home. Um, you know, obviously none of us are hosting this gathering at our homes, but how many of us host our GCs and share in that even between families? It's a valid way to bring good to each other. Yeah. I think even to this, the, the idea of the letters being passed between churches. I think about the fellowship that we've had between churches. It's hard not to. I think of redemption. We got to share worship night with you know, texting us and, and letting us know that they added us to their prayer chain when we lost Alex. How significant was that to know that people that we hardly know <laughs> were praying for us tonight? Sharing in the Advent Guide last winter, in that series with the church cooperative. Sharing a sharing common theme amongst or across our city in that. Even think back to Soma School, <laughs> getting to meet churches across the country who were there to, to learn how to equip their churches better for ministry, just like we were. Um, think about next week, Park Day, <laughs> the St. Patrick's. I'm um, getting to share. We're going to, you should come at 1030 <laughs> if you can, because we are going to do a time of worship together in those two churches and take communion together before we eat. So just another thing, just mutual encouragement of the gospel. That's a way that we bring good to our neighbors, is remembering that we're in it together. I think to people in the church persevering in ministry, they've been called to. You know, here it's a pastor who's responsibility to shepherd the church, but it doesn't stop there. Think back to we should be feasting on in chapter 3 that Aaron talked about. Was, Paul said this in, in chapter 3. He said, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It's not just the pastors who are called to that. <laughs> it's all of us. And I think that, that note, all these, above all, put on love, which binds everything together. All these things we're called to, they're meant to move us closer to each other. They move us closer to Christ, but they also move us closer to each other. One of the things that Christ is holding together is his church. And his aim is to do that in love. So another list. Where are people needed to keep the community being of earthly good? What are some examples? We see examples in, in Colossians. Um, things like teaching the word. Things like bearing fruit. Things of, those, of that list. 
we can bring good to each other. <laughs> we have compassion for what's going on in each other's lives. We can bring good when we don't hold faults against each other or are willing to forgive. I think even in, in worship, one way we can, we can bring good is by being together. I know it's also obviously heavenly minded, but one of the things Paul mentions in that verse in 316 um, is that singing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs is a, actually a way that we exhort and encourage each other. He actually almost kind of said, as much as we are singing to God, we're singing to each other, <laughs> trying to edify each other in the truths that we're singing about. So for those of you who don't sing, <laughs> skip, but not good. Yeah, and witness. Are, are we taking the, the things that we're considering about Christ, um, who he is and what he's done, to those around us? There's a lot of good that you can do in that. So how has God used people I needed in Emmaus in my life? Again, this. I was thinking about this. The, the first thing that came to mind um, were Kelsey and Kristen. Um, they have shown up for Sarah a ton during her pregnancy. Um, something that's been, and I know there are others that have done that, um, but even before our, our GCs kind of rearranged uh, so the folks like the Walls and the Dorbins, we were in a GC together, but we also lived really far away. <laughs> so it was a lot bigger deal to, to help each other out in some of those things. And I think Kelsey and Christy recognized that and living a lot closer to us and we're now in a GC with. Um, yeah, just whether that was coming over to hang out with our kids or convincing us to do the smartest thing we've done in like all the years we've lived here, which is join the Y. <laughs> Child care, folks. Uh, yeah, just, sorry, listen. Or, you know, just things like even Christy coming over to help organize things. Um, yeah, just so much of a true blessing to, um, to see Sarah be taken care of so well, um, just in ways that I'm not always capable of. Um, it's been a blessing. I, I think, too, just even all the folks that I serve with in the worship team, um, from tech to the band. I think of guys like Clint and Akio and even Bridget, who stepped in to learn new things that can be kind of scary because there's lots of buttons and faders and lights. <laughs> um, but they matter. They matter to this gathering and to serving the church. It's been an encouragement to me because I can't be doing all the things all the time. You know, sometimes I try to, <laughs> or want to. Um, yeah, I think of Eric and Jesse, who are basically on call every Sunday <laughs> for filling in back there. Um, yeah, and just even, just even knowing that, that you guys are able to, to train the new folks, and it's not something I even have to worry about. That um, you've taken the time to, to learn those things back there that are scary really well. That's been a super encouraging thing to me. Um, I think of, um, she's gonna hate this, but I think of Lauren, <laughs> who has worked super hard to step into not just playing in the band, but leading worship, um, a need that we've had. And something that, um, just as it is with anyone else who leads worship, that um, gives me a chance to, to be the one sitting <laughs> next to my wife. 
on a Sunday and, and doing this, preaching. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm just really thankful for the ways that, and I could go on. I could go on with the list of um, helping with coffee or helping um, bring jeans to church. Um, there's so many things, just the way that you guys take care of each other and consider this community um, and make what we're doing right now possible. Um, yeah, there's, just, there's a lot of good happening in that. And I think sometimes we like to, to underplay it because maybe we don't feel, I don't know, like a, doesn't, maybe it doesn't feel significant in the moment, but it is. Which kind of brings me to, to my last point, that I think we, we read that, and we can look at those lists, and we can take those reminders of being heavenly minded, and being for earthly good. And I think our, I don't know, I think there's this kind of something that we do to ourselves, where we, I think as humans, like to compare, we like to contrast, and we say, like, I know I can do those things, but... Like, clearly, the thing that this person is doing brings more good than what I have to contribute. Or, I want to be heavenly minded, but, like, this person, like, you know, they have, like, calluses on their knees <laughs> from praying. I'm like, I'm not there. I don't know if I will be. Um, and I think the danger in that is that we assume that there is a less and a more when it comes to those things. And like I said earlier, that, you know, even sometimes it's like, well, there's some things that I do, but I'm not, like, one of the professionals <laughs> contributing in, like, that way. And we, I think we assume that what I'm doing right now, or leading worship, or understanding, like, the tech, or whatever, like, having the most expertise um, means that that person is bringing the most good. Or those are the things that bring the most good. And I think there's a danger in that because there's, I don't think when you look at a text like this, when you read Colossians, even, that that's the case. That there are everyday mundane things that all matter. Which means that anything that we are doing to, to focus our hearts and our minds and our intentions on Christ and how that affects the way that we interact with each other, that matters. You don't have to preach to share the gospel and speak into somebody's life. Being an earthly good. You don't have to master the, the tech booth to bring good to people around you. You don't have to start a nonprofit feeding all the homeless people in Denver to bring good to your neighbors. I think sometimes we, I feel like we talk about this a lot in DNA. It's like we, we want to do something grand and we like spend so much time like like wondering like how we can do something grand and we forget the, that the mundane works. Things like giving people rides to church. Things like praying for your community. Making meal trains for people who just had a baby. Seriously? If you're on there. I can't see you. Uh, helping the Sanfords move. Packing boxes. Lifting a couch down like three stories because <laughs> that was her only option. Um, showing up to GC, just being together, showing up this morning, reading screw tape letters. 
I mean, parenting your kids, sharing the love of Christ with them. Like, even just listening to worship music in your car and considering Christ in that. There's so much that we're capable of doing and participating in, and probably things you already do, that we convince ourselves are less or not enough. And what Jesus is saying, like, that he's pursuing us, regardless of the degree or the, of importance that we think that we're contributing. But Paul's trying to remind the Colossians and what Jesus reminds us of every time we face him in his gospel is that you matter. And it's not about how much. It's about do you trust? Do you have faith that I am the one who measures up? That I am who is enough. That I am the one who's the firstborn of all creation. That I am the one who holds things together. And that our, our job is to respond to what he's done. Not the other way around. God doesn't respond to how much you do. So let's consider this. We believe that, we truly believe that, and we can be free from the self-righteousness that is capable of surrounding this topic. How can we contribute to our mission to bring good to others as we're formed by God together? Considering that in this vein of being heavenly minded, earthly good. We don't have time to unpack all that today because there's endless possibilities. But I think where you should start answering that question for yourself is remembering that you matter, is remembering that you're needed. I want you to know that, that, that God uses, what God uses most often to speak to us and work in our lives when we're wondering, you know, God, like, give me an answer to that question. Um, and we, I know, I get caught up in this one too, like waiting for a sign. Like I need a sign to know like what the grand thing is that I need to do to like make a difference. But I think the thing that he uses the most to answer those questions is his people. And I think that's why we should remember that you're needed and you matter. And if you want to know how to contribute to the mission, talk about it. <laughs> in community with other people. Should we be praying about it on our own? Yes, but God has put you in a community for a reason. We're not meant to live in an echo chamber of our thoughts. Christ commissioned the church to be the hope of the world, but he also commissioned us as a church to build each other as well. hope you remember that. Here's another question to consider. You know, if you're, let's break our mission down. If you, you know, bringing good, being informed by God together. Are you passionate about bringing good? How can you lean into that? How can you, as someone who matters, <laughs> help those of us who aren't great at those things? better, I think.
Are you passionate about seeing others formed by God? Are you passionate about teaching in spiritual disciplines? How are you seeking out others? Are you using that passion with others in the church? Are you passionate about bringing people together? Are you the life of the party? <laughs> like, how are you helping us be more together as a body? I know those are some really hyper-specific things to our mission and to us. But again, you are needed. You matter. And if I'm going to be heavenly-minded, my focus will be on Christ, and your focus is going to be on Christ. We need each other <laughs> to help do that. If we are going to be of any earthly good, if I'm going to bring earthly good to my neighbors, to my family, to you, I need your help in that, just as much as you need mine. Whether we're talking about serving the marginalized, whether we're talking about hosting the women's gathering and studying through Proverbs, or just simply being together on a day like Park Day, or the members meeting. How are we considering each other as we consider what it means to be heavenly minded for the good? And I think I want to address this before I close the, the things that I think that get in the way when we are trying to consider those things, what are the things that get in the way of us doing that the most? I think one is doubt, that we don't believe in the identity we've been given, that we, what we want to do is we want to start with, what do I do? Instead of starting with, who is God? What has he done? Therefore, who am I? Because of what he's, he's done. And if I know who I am because of who he is, overflow of that, like, we can't help but being what we do reflects who he is. But we often don't start there because <laughs> we just want to jump to what do we do. I think the other thing is pride. That sometimes we, we keep ourselves from becoming more heavenly minded or earthly good because we believe we know what's best. I want to serve here, not there. If I open up about this need, people will see me differently. I'll lean in when life slows down. <laughs> I saw this meme a while back on Instagram that was like a, it was like a poster of like a 1950s like housewife or something, and it was like one of the silly ones in it. So the caption was. Being an adult is saying, life is crazy right now, but I should slow down in a couple of weeks, <laughs> over and over. <laughs> I, think that, I think the truth is, I mean, I say that to myself all the time too, but the truth is that I'm not needed when the circumstances in my life are this or that. The community needs me now. My heart needs to be focused on, on heavenly things all of the time, <laughs> not when I find time. The world needs us to be of earthly good, whether or not our schedules are full. I don't, don't hear me as, as saying those things to, to condemn, because I'm just as guilty as the next person of forgetting that. That being heavenly mind and earthly good your memory that you're needed is less about capacity 
and more about faith. Another meme that I actually have is this. Trying to be adult is like, I'm not very good at it, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> if you don't know who that is, that's Fred Rogers <laughs> teaching kids how to draw, which is hilarious to me. Um, but I think the, the reason I share that is that I, I think the, the last hang-up is that, like I said earlier, we don't, sometimes we're, we fall short in remembering that we're needed and yeah, being a part of the community because, like I said, we, we want to do something grand. And I'm, I'm the worst at this, of like, if I'm not already good at it, I don't want to try it. It's like, how do you get good at anything? You don't try. Um, so yeah, remember that. Be like Fred Rogers. I'm not good at it yet, but it doesn't matter. Because Christ is the one who makes us sufficient. Amen. Amen. So let me end with this. The last verse. Paul says, I write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Paul wanted the Colossians to remember that they mattered. So much so that he went out of his way at the very end of this letter to tell them that it was him who personally wrote it. It was common back then for when you're writing long letters or even making copies of those to, to have someone else transcribe for you. Which I wish I could have done for like term papers. <laughs> yeah, it was a common practice that you know, some of, some of the other letters, in fact, were Paul didn't physically write them, but he was, you know, saying the things, and they were writing down what he was saying. But he went out of his way to say, like, that's not what happened with this letter. I personally wrote this to you. As if to say, I care about you. Pay attention to what I wrote. I mean it. <laughs> Klausa needs you to continue in a manner worthy of your calling. I think that's what Paul's trying to say, and I think the same could be said of us, wherever we are together as a church. Don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. It's not about how much. It's about do you trust? Do you believe that when you're heavenly minded, that Christ is with you in that? that he's capable of transforming your heart of stone. It's not about how much and how much do earthly good are we bringing, but do we consider at all those who are around us? Does our heart break for the things that break Christ's heart? I pray this morning that Above all else, remember that you're needed. That what you do, however little or however much, matters to this community. Because we need each other. If we're going to focus on Christ, and we're going to join God in building his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, you're needed for that as much as the next person. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for that truth that even though I fall short 
even though the, that we don't measure up to the law, Christ, that you fulfilled it, that we don't have to, to create in ourselves a righteousness of our own making because you have clothed us in your righteousness. It's not about how much, but it's about remembering who we are and believing in what you've said about us, that we are all equally people made in your image, who you love, and simply want us to be in your presence and be transformed, for our minds to be renewed. Just we thank you for that. I pray that that would be freeing the next time that we we think too little of of the ways that we love you or, or want to serve you. Jesus, that it's your grace that is sufficient, not our hands, our feet, our hearts. Thank you for that, Jesus. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.